there was a continuous theme of we're having negotiations or conversations around property and only one side of the table is fully informed, has got five, 10 people who are dealing with this transaction. And we're talking to this family that believes that we'll look out for their best interest. And there's no, and, and I, I always say that there's, there's, there's no situation where you're negotiating with somebody and they're negotiating on your behalf and you benefit from it. Nobody negotiates from both sides of the table. Um, and over and over, I kept having this feeling of there has to be a way that this negotiation can be fair. There has to be a way that information around real estate transactions can be available. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the VC4A Founder Series. This is a podcast where startup founders share their stories of resilience and answer questions about the challenges and opportunities encountered during their entrepreneurship journey. This series is a collection of conversations with founders highlighting the ingenuity required to thrive in uncertain markets, make it through high friction situations and past crises. Each episode highlights a different founder and the unique set of challenges they are facing. My name is David Coleman. I am the growth lead at VC4A and I will be your host. My name is Pebe Manake. I'm the firstborn um, of girls only. I am from Botswana. I grew up here, um, studied in UCT um, and did most of my life in Botswana. I'm a real estate professional, a chartered surveyor by profession. And I am the founder of Vantage Properties. What, what, was, what were some of the things that kind of led up to this particular company? Um, I think I can always think back to when I thought about what I wanted to study. Um, for me, it was always, I don't want something that results in, in um, how did I put it, routine. That was the, the, my only thing was I don't want something that results in routine. I want to have an accident every day and <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Um, and I, at the time I got um, interested in risk management at the time because um, I thought that that's the thing that you never know what you'll be dealing with. And then um, went to Cape Town and I discovered um, property studies. And that was the thing that I thought, mm, this could be interesting. There's a lot of different things um, that you deal with on a daily basis. Um, but more interestingly, the course that I loved in there was thinking about business. And in thinking about business, I had the best lecturer who would just open up your mind and, and, and just, just blow it. So for me, it was, okay, what's the best stream that gets me to understand the industry? and it happened to be property management. So post-graduation, I was very clear. I went in, I mean, my first job, it was, listen, I want to manage this building that you guys are in. Um, and, and then that's how I got the job. Why do you want to manage this building? Because of what I want to learn and I feel like it will give me the most exposure. So post, as I transitioned, I sort of started picking up more of um, I think the interesting thing about Botswana is that people are able to own land um, without the capital to develop it. So more and more as I was interacting with, with different clients, there was a, 
continuous theme of we're having negotiations or conversations around property and only one side of the table is fully informed, has got five, 10 people who are dealing with this transaction. And we're talking to this family that believes that we'll look out for their best interest. And there's no, and, and I, I always say that there's, there's, there's no situation where you're negotiating with somebody and they're negotiating on your behalf and you benefit from it. Nobody negotiates from both sides of the table. Um, and over and over, I kept having this feeling of there has to be a way that this negotiation can be fair. There has to be a way that information around real estate transactions can be available, um, that people are able to make the right kind of decisions. So it started way back then um, during my working time. Then I went back into corporate with the sole purpose of knowing as much as I possibly can. Um, and that's how I moved into asset management and eventually um, CEO of a listed property company. And once I got there, it was, okay, so I've dealt with every single form of investment from your pension funds, listed, I've done it all. I think it's now time to be the consultant. I have bagged the, the experience in the shorter period of time, if I would call it. So I jump off, um, and this is now 2014, um, and go through the motions of setting up the, the research firm that I wanted. And as we did more research, I then realized, oh my God, there's more technology in the future of real estate than I'm prepared for. And if, if the, if the um, people or our customers are going to be looking for more accurate um, predictions. They're going to be looking for more um, faster responses. If you're gonna do a feasibility, you cannot possibly take six weeks or three months still assessing the situation. Then we need to jump into this digital bandwagon. So that's how I came to, okay, fine. There is AI, there is machine learning, there is data analytics, there's these things. This is the direction we need to take for us to um, build something that would be of value to the community, of value to the real estate industry. And that would also be an answer to Africa's big problem. We have a growing population, which means we're going to build a lot. We need to occupy some space. <laughs> Um, it doesn't matter, even if uh, we, we no longer need to go to the office, there is some space we need to occupy and we need to be able to assess the kind of space that we need to have before we spend that much money. So that's the birth of Vantage Properties. Why did you leave your company to go gain experience elsewhere? I think for me, what I knew was um, I didn't have a, a strong network. I studied um, outside the country. So, which means I didn't have a strong enough network. Um, I didn't know enough of the ins and outs of the industry locally. And I needed to have that guidance. I needed to have that experience. And because I don't have a big bag of money to take me through for me to be experiencing these things, then there's somewhere where they've begged that money and that's where I'll get the experience. So even when I looked for where to work, it was I need somewhere where they have the greater scope 
of um, opportunities where they've, they've got different um, property owners, where they've got pension funds so that I know the priorities of pension funds, where they've got um, companies, they've got um, um, insurance um, fund money. And I, I just needed to have an understanding of what is the priority and what are the decision-making processes and, and why? Why are they making that kind of decision? Also, the other thing is you need to know the level of risk as an entrepreneur you are able to afford. So um, at that point, I cannot possibly afford to make a mistake of 2.5 billion US dollars. So there's a company that can afford to make that mistake. And the reason why they're able to do that is they have all of these controls that would um, either protect my mistake from actually happening. Um, so it was also learning that, okay, fine. Um, after I have assessed something, what happens with this decision? How did your time away from the business help the business? For me, in terms of... Um, the learning process, it wasn't just learning the practical things that I was doing, it's also learning how business works, learning um, processes, learning um, the how to communicate, learning corporate, like corporate communication always amuses me in terms of um, what, how do you manage the narrative <laughs> that comes out as different things happen. And I think as entrepreneurs, one of the key things no matter how frank you are, it's very important to manage the narrative that that comes out of your business um, and be in control of it all the time. So those are the few things that I learned in, in, in that entire process. And it, it was fun. How did you start setting up your company? One of the big things was language. How, how to communicate what? How to communicate on email? How to engage on a controversial issue or how to bring up something that might be an uncomfortable conversation inside this um, in, when you're still doing business. So it's communication um, internally and outside. It's um, getting business. Um, it's systems, processes, and, and efficiency, I guess. I can always say I started this business three times. So, um, and all three experiences were, were different. The first, first time I started in 08 was, I'm doing this, I'm registering a company, I'm jumping off, I'm leaving. And that was not exactly the best way to start. <laughs> the second time was, um, obviously, if I'm leaving corporate, the communication is much a thing of, okay, guys, this is what I want to do. I'm going to need your support, that kind of thing. and having enough capital um, for a good enough runway for two or three years and that kind of stuff. The third time is when we transitioned into this digital or this digital environment. Um, and, and every time we fill any kind of uh, form, whether it's for capital raising or for acceleration or whatever, every time they say, um, when did you register this company? It's always weird to say, well, we've been around for 12 years, but we're a startup. <laughs> because the technology is young. It, this, is what, this is who we are now, but the company itself is 12 years. Um, so the, the third time was I needed to completely stop. 
I needed to completely stop to think about the future of the business. I needed to, um, as everybody else in the business was going on with their daily things, it was, um, guys, this is not, this is not gonna work anymore. And the, the, the interesting thing was my mindset shifted like this. And I wanted everybody to switch just like that, but I couldn't explain into what, what, what are we, what are we becoming? What are we doing? What technology, what, how, who, we are real estate people, how, how, and that kind of thing. And even then I couldn't articulate what we're going to do, but I knew this is, this is the direction we're going to take. I don't know what we're going to do, <laughs> but I needed to come along. What's the thing that people want a lot of? So we looked at our um, inquiries from the main um, website. We looked at inquiries from property and co. We looked at, so everybody was, everything was around valuations. Everything, everybody wanted, the, there was a big outcry cry about valuations, the quality of valuations, the data about valuations, valuations, even in the market as a whole, there was a, a, a greater outcry around accuracy of them, of valuations, discrepancies of valuations and all of that. So then slowly but surely we came to, you need to build something that has something to do with valuation. That's the starting point. We need to do something to do with valuations. And what? Um, and then it was, you need to automate them somehow. Yeah. So then we started working on the, um, variables. What are the variables for evaluation? Okay. You do one, two, three, four, five for evaluation. Where does this information come from? How do we put it together and all of that sort of took us a while until we said, we found it. We've been able to do a manual evaluation and automated one and we got a similar response. Okay, great. Now, where is the business after this? <laughs> um, so then it became, okay, fine. We can choose to do valuations online as part of our business proposition. But how does that change the world? How, how does that change how things work? How, does, how do we position ourselves differently how do we solve more people's problems? Because discrepancy will continue to exist. Our valuations might be accurate, but the market is still getting other discrepancies. So how do we fix that? And we realized that the key thing there was, again, information. Um, valuers have got different um, perceptions of what the land rate is, because it's not recorded anywhere what the sales trends are, what the, um, the comparables. So we were like, okay, fine, we need to be the plug. So when we started, we called ourselves the real estate plug <laughs> in Turin. We need to be the plug for this information. Um, then we started connecting, oh, when valuers do valuations, they need to have sales comparables. So we got to, um, if we have got all the data um, from the deeds office on, um, what sales are happening, then we can give valuers sales comparables when they need them like that. 
And then there was other things around solving the valuers problem of efficiency. Ah, if they're able to um, get their valuation instructions, they're able to do the, get the information, this valuation will be done quickly. They don't even have to print it. So we sort of building the, started building the platform in that way. And by this time, mind you now, my entire mind has left the fundamentals of how Vantage Properties is operating. I am purely focused on this technology. And the, it was a big juggle in between for the rest of the team to feel like you're no longer with us. You're, you're, you're not, you're not in yeah, you're gone. <laughs> Are you still here? Are you like, what's happening? And I had to step down as CEO at the time. I said to them, my mind, my mind is not in a position to lead the business the way that it is, because I need to focus on building the way the business is going to be in the future. It's going to take some time. So we had the CIO um, become the CEO for in 2018 and, and 2019 um, to run the daily. Um, at least to have that part of the business continue to have traction and direction. And then come uh, beginning of this year, I then said, voila, guys, this is what we've been working on. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> um, and it was, it, it was a, an exciting um, journey. And now we have Ghost Fund Value, and it has now become the core of everything else because it sort of gives us information for the research side, for the consulting side and all of that. I have so many questions. <laughs> You've given me a lot of questions. Okay, so um, luckily I took notes. So yeah. stepping down, that is, that is such a selfless thing to do. Most entrepreneurs, regardless of how, how, you know, how badly things are going, will not look at themselves to to, and be able to admit maybe I'm the problem or maybe maybe I'm not uh, uh, in sync with the team, right? So yeah. what, what made you do that? Like, can you explain what that process was like a bit more? Um, I think it, it, it comes down to, dude, I've been a CEO of a listed company. It's 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 a it's a title. <laughs> um, it's and it's a role of for me. I understand it's a role of leadership, and you need to be on point. You need to to be to have your 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 thumb on the pulse of the business all the time. And at the time, I knew I'm not I'm not even concerned about the pulse of the business at this point. I knew my mindset, like I said, mind switched quickly and everything else was frustrating because I, everything we did manually to me was now we could actually be doing this um, automatic, this could be automated, this could be, so every process was, we actually don't need to do this thing manually, but the solution wasn't on the table yet. I would be in that meeting and instead of thinking about the solution as it is and trying to think through issues, all I'm thinking about is if we had um, a, our digital solution, this is something that should be sorted in five minutes. 
So, <laughs> and, and that's where my mind was. And I accepted that. Yeah. That's really interesting because, um, and I mean, I commend you for, the, for that because I think a lot of, there are um, big CEOs uh, of Fortune 500 US and European comp companies who regularly every couple of years actually not step down maybe, but go away for, for yeah. you know, because it's, I, I like the fact that you had a clear, um, you understood that you, you were thinking way ahead of your team and the team maybe wasn't fully with you, not because they, they don't believe in what you, you want to do, but because they can't see what's in your head. And so, yes. so the, so then you understanding that you need to, you need to distance yourself from them for them to be able to continue along that path so that you, you clarify for yourself where that, what the, this new direction is. You talked about how, you know, in uh, version 1.0, <laughs> you know, you just wanted to go for it in version uh, 2.0, you know, but then once you decided that this was going to be about, about building a technology company and um, sounds like you're a little bit like me, I'm not that tech savvy. Uh, I know that, that you know, I, I understand technology in basics, but I'm not a developer. How do you take, how do you pivot your company? It's not just you, you can change, go ahead. But how do you take, how do you take all these people along with you? And do you even take all these people along with you? Because now you are a technology company. Um, who yeah. do you bring, who do you bring in? Talk us through that. I have an honest conversation with my team, each and every one of them. So I remember one said to me, Steve, I need to give you feedback and I want to write it. And I said, well, fine, hey, go for it. And um, it's, I, I love the, the report. So he was saying, listen, we hear what you're talking about. Because when I came back, I said, this is the direction we're taking. We're moving into technology. But that's not where our clients are. That was his our clients are here, here, here. Our clients don't have internet. They, some of them don't have um, emails. Um, they walk in here. Our clients are high net worth and some of them are um, old people and they will not go into technology the way that you want. And I don't think that's the direction you should be taking. I said, fine, I've got your report. Can we sit down and talk about it? So we sat, um, um, and fortunately there was a conference. So we drove together to, to the conference and we talked, we sat next to each other throughout the conference. And after that, he was like, yay, I love this thing that we're doing now. <laughs> because it was really about um, making them individually understand what is this thing. It's not just about us using um, technology or using emails to communicate or whatever. It's about us understanding where the future is going and where our future customers are and what the demands are for the service that we're providing. And also understanding that we have a greater role. If we're a, a research company, we have got sufficient data to transition this technology, I mean, to transition this industry. So the role in which we can play is much bigger than the one we have been playing only if we become a technology company. Um, and then in terms of who do you carry on and who you don't, I think 
um, it's still a transition even now. It's an issue of who buys into the vision and who communicates when they're not buying in because um, they, for me, it's important that even if you're not buying into the story, you need to communicate it so that we can try and deal with um, that issue. And it's okay if you are the naysayer within the team and you're still saying, mm, guys, because the day we convince you, then we're in, in the money. Then we're, we've dealt with every issue around. Um, and some would be like, no, 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 this is not, and I, I have that where, where, where some of the team members said, no, listen, I didn't get into this for the technology and this is too much to learn because we, we, we had to learn how, 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 how we now communicate with customers, how that the only way that we can track every inquiry that comes in is if you are sitting on the other side of the computer and every response you give is also going into the computer so we can track that. Um, how we now need to be dealing with um, valuers who we used to consider as competitors, that now these are our clients, um, that we are no longer going to do valuations. We are now going to teach other valuation firms how to become more efficient, how to um, become um, provide better quality services. It's, it's continuous communication, engagement, and, 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 and being open to the fact that Others would not be. Oh, that's not that, that's not what they that's not what they what they signed up for, and it's okay for them to go for what they would be comfortable with. And I always say to my team that I'm grateful for the time that you have afforded part of your life that you've afforded me and my vision, um, and I hope that you're able to achieve what you need to achieve for your own vision. So it's it. it I think it's being pragmatic that way to to let everybody come in like that. Also understanding that as a technology company, we can't be a technology company without technology people. So we need to bring in software developers and programmers and <laughs> all these people who we speak a completely different language <laughs> to. So when we go into a product development meeting, they, they have their pre-meeting where they decide what language in English they're going to communicate <laughs> with me. And the nice thing is that because the, 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 the CTO has been friends with me for years, um, we have our own language. So he does the translation of this is what she means. This is what she means and all of that. So it's a nice um, little um, match for now. We'll see how we move on forward. What were the exciting milestones and achievements that gave you the most confidence that you were on the right path? I think my first one was when we got the algorithm right. Um, and then the second one was when we started doing the client pitches, when the clients kept saying, yes, this is what I'm looking for. Yes, this is what I'm looking for, yes. Um, and the conversation changed from us just pitching to more, okay, what other problems do you have that we can try and solve with this, with this thing? Because it's not about just the platform for us. It's remember the bigger vision is to provide accurate, reliable information. So it's about what other information do we need that we can plug into this this platform, and how does what decisions do you make with that kind of information? That kind of thing. 
Um, so it's, 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 it's a continuous reinforcement of this is the, the thing that we're doing. Um, when we did our, our launch and the kind of feedback that we got, um, that was great also. It was, okay, this is the right direction. Um, and now it's, it's more, once we secure our first seed A funding, then I'll be like, you got it. So <laughs> that's my next thing of, of, of getting the, the, the first um, investment where we are and being able to say, yes, we are, we are definitely in, in the right direction. Um, small things come up. I mean, sometimes the, the, the development team really amuses, like where I've talked about something. So we have this thing where they call, they call them my thinking boxes. So every time I come up with a big grand idea, they just say, write it down and put it, put it in the box. <laughs> so they occasionally go in the box and pick something and start working on it. Um, and then when they come in and show me, oh, we've sorted out that issue that you're talking about. I'm always like, yes, this is what we need to be doing. This is who we are. Um, and I hope that as we, as we get bigger, there's more people who can put things inside that box. In what ways has mentorship helped your business? I have multiple mentors and their job is to guide my thoughts to help me remain safe. That's, <laughs> that's the, the job of my mentors. Um, so literally, um, just before your call, there's one who I was sitting here with, and we were talking about the obstacle that I'm seeing in, in, in our pricing model, and I, I need to bounce off ideas around pricing for, for a certain kind of client base. Um, and he went on, I mean, it's somebody who I would speak to, maybe it's not a structured thing, maybe once every three months, he sort of says, okay, so where are we now? What's going on? What's on your mind type of thing. And then there's one who we have that structured process with. Um, there's one who yesterday sent me a list of things around, okay, so you've done your launch, you've done now business, back to business. Let's check the health of your business. Check this, check that. Have you got all your contracts on set? Have you, have you sorted out your processes and all of that? And it's like, oh, guys, please. Like, I, I love the fact that they, they do that. And it's also up to me, right, um, in the whole thing of if somebody says, okay, listen, I, you guys are at the stage. Can you check out these things um, where they are and all of that? If there's something that you want to talk about, in anything that you discover in that process, um, let's have a chat. It's up to me to actually do that activity and come back and say, hey, I've picked weak spots here, here, here. Um, what were you thinking? How did, how did you think we could sort this stuff out? Um, so for me, they are literally my, my, my North Stars, if one would call it that. I need that body of advisors across everything, even uh, about my, as me as a person, where am I, how am I developing? Am I, am I putting too much burden on myself? Am I taking on too much myself? Um, and 
when do I cut off? So sometimes you, as an entrepreneur, you think, well, I've been on this journey for such a long time. Um, maybe it's time to let it go. It's not, this is not working. And you need to have that, somebody needs to reassure you, listen, look at how much movement you've made. It's not like you are at one place. It's just that what you want is not happening as fast. And when it does, do you think that, um, do you think it's going to be a small thing or when that one thing happens, it changes your life? So it's, it's that kind of conversation. How has the pandemic and the lockdown affected your business? It, it affected us positively. Uh, first of all, it helped um, members of this team to appreciate how technology is going to um, impact businesses in the future. That's the first thing. Secondly, it sort of created a new batch of believers in the digital economy in real estate because we were singing, I mean, I remember probably two years ago at a real estate conference, I was speaking about the digital economy in real estate and that the time will come. And um, I, don't, I don't remember whose quote it was, but it, it's with technology, it comes a little and little and then, and then bang, it's there. And I kept saying, I mean, in, in, in my presentation, I said, um, it's either you, 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 you adapt or, or you die. And that's the situation that we're in. And that was two years ago when I had that conversation. And it was a lot of uh, talk afterwards that, yeah, we get what you're saying. And yes, maybe in Europe and Asia and other countries, but never here. There's no reason for us to be and when COVID came, it was, guys, you never know. This is the bang. You never know. And the, the, with all evolutions, you cannot predict the thing that will create the bang. <laughs> and it happened to be this pandemic. And um, though I think people are still moving back, um, sort of people still are still trying to work the way that they used to work here and there, there's a recognition that we cannot do without technology. We will need technology somewhere. So for me, I think in terms of validating um, to our industry that we're not crazy people that did that for us. Um, also, during lockdown was the most time that we engaged with corporates. We did the most pitches and presentations to customers during that time because um, all the executives were at home and the way that they were doing business was not working um, because all of their monitoring tools are hooked to how they work in the office. So we had more presentations then. We had our first um, corporate contract signed during lockdown. We had, so it, it was, and it was, that was amazing. That for, for me, I'm happy for us to go on lockdown for a year. Things happen during lockdown. <laughs> Okay, okay. It's been And that was the thing. It wasn't a horrible time for us. Um, and and we, we just hope that people understand, like, it's not just COVID. It's, this is, once you've opened the box, you've opened the box. And efficiency is crucial for businesses going forward. And it's crucial across the board. So... Um, yeah, I can say for us, it was a, it was a, it's 
that COVID has been good to us. Many of them might be at an earlier stage. They're, you know, um, this, this, not everybody, this pandemic has not been, uh, you know, not good, but um, it's been difficult for, 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 di for different businesses, um, sometimes due to no fault of their own, but just because of the industry that they happen to be in, right? So what is, what is, some, of the, what is some of the advice that you would give to, to young entrepreneurs who are um, maybe having challenges, um, doubting themselves. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's just hold on. It's just hold on. I mean, um, if, if, if I just use myself as an example and, and think of the number, I mean, think about where you're not even able to um, articulate what your vision is moving from that stage and and you can't articulate it because you don't know what the words are i didn't know what big data was at the time i didn't know there were things like machine learning and AI. i didn't know these things existed but i knew we needed to use them so it's 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 okay to have a vision in your mind that the words don't exist but it's the action that you take thereafter to find out how does this thing work. And for me, learning is, I think I've learned more in the past two years and even just in the past month than probably any schooling I've ever done in my life. The continuous um, improving, especially in an industry, if the industry is new for you, you need to learn the most that you can, you need to communicate. Being honest with yourself um, that's the one thing as entrepreneurs, like you were saying, you start, you know, everything. You hardly ever know anything. You just have a great idea. <laughs> so being open and honest with yourself that, okay, this is what I want to do. I need other minds. I need other people to help me um, explain this better, to help me understand better what I'm saying. And does it make sense? Um, and, and sticking to it. Uh, there's this nice meme that's that goes around. I don't know if it's going around just now, but I've seen a lot of it recently, um, where two people are digging for diamonds, and the one who keeps on digging in the same spot eventually finds it, and the other one who keeps um, digging around all over eventually gives up, but we're actually closer to the diamond. And that's the thing. Once you, in your heart, um, you are set on something, in your mind, your your conscience is not letting go of a particular vision keep going at it um, and, and try and be objective still and pragmatic even at that point um, with, okay, maybe it's not that full thing that needs to happen now. Let me figure out the first step. Like I always say to people that our vision is yes to provide accurate, reliable information, but our first step is to automate valuation. And that's what this first platform started with. Um, and, and bit by bit, we're adding on more pieces of information that aid decision-making. Um, and without this first step, we wouldn't have been able to monetize any aspect of it because we're not dealing with the first decision that every transaction starts on. All of the real estate transactions start on the valuation. So if, we, if I kept thinking about all the information, I wouldn't have found um, that the first step is, is, is this is where our first step is. 
so yeah keep on going trust your gut um and and learn as much as you possibly can because you need it i've really learned a lot and i really appreciate you taking the time um we look forward to seeing i'm actually hoping that um your next investor is listening right now <laughs> hope so too <laughs> yeah they should call you right <laughs> so yeah <laughs> So I, I wish you all the best as you continue to transform the real estate landscape. Sounds like you are well on your way. Um, yeah. And thanks again for, for, uh, for being on our show. Um, we will check back with you. Uh, have a great weekend. <laughs> and uh, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, David. Um, I enjoyed this chat, you know, as, as I think as entrepreneurs, we grind so much, you don't take the time to reflect and these kinds of interviews help you to reflect more um, about how you're thinking about things and, and it's really helpful. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us today. If you're a startup founder looking for practical tips, check out the Startup Academy or connect directly with industry-leading experts through the Mentorship Marketplace. Be sure to keep an eye out for new programs and opportunities we make available as VC4A or boost your capital raising efforts by registering a fundraising campaign request. Our services are free for entrepreneurs, so be sure to sign up at vc4a.com. Subscribe to our podcast and join us again next time. Till then, work smart and stay safe.